Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Closing on on a big weekend of football. The Cougars and the Aggies trying to go 4-0. and The Utes just trying to get back to 500, turn things around. The defense did seem to improve. After getting pushed around by BYU, they did a better job against San Diego State. Gave up 24 points in regulation, although seven were against special teams and seven were on the offense for the pick that got taken back inside the 10. Yard line. Uh, Devin Lloyd, what does he think of where the team is and where it's headed? Here's Devin. You had said on Saturday they're going to have a team meeting. It made it sound like you were the one who organized it. How do you think it went? Um, I thought it went very well, actually. Um, you know, a lot of the older guys just kind of discussed, you know, you know, how we felt, you know, as far as how the season has gone so far and, you know, what we want to get out of it. And so um, I thought it was very productive. What was the tone of the group coming out of that meeting, do you think, Devin? Um, just a little more bought in by everybody. Um, you know, I think it showed today at practice as well. Did Charlie speak in that meeting? Um, he did not. Do you, do you feel like there was a, a new energy coming out of that meeting too? You, you, you know, said that, you know, guys were more bought in, but do you feel like the energy was there too? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, and, you know, I just think it just goes to show uh, you know, how much leadership we do have on this team. And like I said, you know, it was just a buy-in from a lot of the young guys and um, guys whose role may not be as big, but still, you know, as valuable. For Charlie to leave kind of abruptly like that, did you guys get any kind of explanation or know what was going through his head? I personally uh, didn't hear anything, but um, I'm not sure about other guys on the team, but I, I didn't never get anything. You were here in 2019. The team had so much senior leadership. And this year, obviously, you don't have as much. Is that more of a challenge to make sure guys are focused and doing what they're doing? Well, we don't have as many seniors necessarily, but I'd say we have just as many, if not more, leaders. Um, you know, from guys that have been in the program three-plus years, um, you know, everybody has been in this program. There's a lot of guys that have been in this program for a long time, should I say, and um, those guys are stepping up as leaders. Um, and, you know, we saw it, you know, in the players' meeting and during practice and really all year, you know. You know. Is this whole belief among you guys that something big, something special can still happen? Oh, of course, of course. Our goal is not changed at all. And, you know, our goal is still very much in sight and, um, you know, very, very we're very capable of achieving that goal. Um, We haven't played the best ball. We haven't played anywhere near to our potential in the last couple of games. And, um, you know, we plan on changing that. You know, that was, you know, why, you know, we were so urgent about the players meeting and really just getting everybody bought in and, you know, just getting back to the basics. Um, But we haven't played anywhere near our best ball and we know that we can still attain that goal. What are your guys' thoughts on on Max Borgie? Seems like a pretty good back who can kind of do it all. Yeah, yeah, he's a versatile back. Um, You know, he's got good size, good speed. You know, he's uh, very versatile. And so I think he's going to be used a lot in that offense. Uh, Washington State, they started to run the ball a little bit more, so I know he's going to get a little more touches. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting challenge. Do you think that uh, with the start of conference season, it's automatically you have a fresh start? So with that in mind, is there a fresh attitude, a new attitude? Yeah, we're 0-0 right now. That's our mindset. Preseason didn't go how we wanted it, mm-hmm. but um, we're 0-0 right now. You watch the Pac-12, particularly the South. Last week was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't want to speak too much on the teams. Just, I mean, it's an open conference, you know I mean? 
we're one and two. You know, some teams didn't play the best they wanted to play either in the South. Um, so, you know, it's anybody. It's anybody. It's an open ball game. Mm-hmm. There's the youth star, Devin Lloyd. Now let's talk a little BYU football offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick, as his Cougars get ready for South Florida. Hey, Aaron, just uh, start off by talking about getting ready for this weekend and the challenges that uh, South, South Florida presents. Um, they play a very unique scheme. It um, has some elements of uh, Rocky Long, San Diego State kind of stuff. Um, they're, it's a unique defense for sure. Um, they have a lot of team speed. And the last time we played these guys, they made us look really bad. I know it was, it was a different different program at the time, but um, we, we got to – it's a team that can make you look bad if you're not ready to play, the, just scheme-wise. How much does what happened before come into play? Because a lot of the guys remember and weren't happy with the performance a couple of years ago. How much does that come into play, even though it is a different team and, and different place right now? Yeah, it comes into play a lot. So we have um, a good number of our starters, guys we're counting on, played in that game. You know, uh, James Empey, Clark Barrington, Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, uh, Neil and Gunner and Peeney. You know, Tyler Algier played in that game. There's a lot of guys played in that game and remember uh, how awful that felt. And... Um, you know, you got to respect the game. You got to respect every opponent. And these guys are, they have our attention. They've played two very good teams in NC State and Florida State. And then they got a good win last week. So um, we'll be ready. Aaron, as you look forward here, can the performance that Jaron had the last time you played against USF translate over to anything in this game, in your opinion? Not really. I mean, other than just it was it was experience, uh, game experience that that part of it. But um, it's a different different defense, so not much there. But just the experience of playing it. You know, the more you play, the more it it uh, it adds up. The game slows down. You know, as guys play more football. That that's true at every position, but especially at QB. I'm not asking you to reveal your game plan, but it seems like each game you go in and at least in your playbook have some of the, what you call your specials, like your your, your trick plays. Do you uh, specifically pick certain plays for certain opponents, or are those just things you have in the playbook and pull them out when you need to? Um, they're mostly just, yeah, we have, a, we have a bunch of plays in our offense that we practice all the time. And they're just ready to go whenever, whenever. And we, they're, they're regular plays in our offense. We don't really think of them as tricks. And we, we practice them every week. And, um, and uh, you know, they're fun. And a lot of times they score touchdowns. So we're going to, we'll keep, we'll keep having them ready every game. Matt uh, and then Norma. Hey, Aaron, uh, Jaron, Jaron Hall mentioned at the end of uh, in the press conference at the end of last week that he would be practicing this week. Has he been has he been practicing this week? Kalani is the only one that'll talk about injuries, but um, yeah, he's out there. Uh, 
my other question regarding Jaron, Aaron, is through the first three weeks, um, what has impressed you the most about his play at that quarterback position and what, if anything, um, would you like to see him improve upon going forward? Um, well, he's taking good care of the ball. You know, the, he had one one bad decision last game, the, the you know, the play that everyone's been talking about where Tyler stripped the ball. That was a bad decision, and, and – uh, the good news is that that was really uncharacteristic of how he's been playing. The other interception was just, you know, he took a shot at the end zone before the half. Um, I, I didn't manage that situation well enough for him, but he took a shot on a one-on-one matchup in the end zone, threw the ball down the field, and their guy made a play. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even count that as a bad decision or anything. It's just unfortunate that they got the ball, but um, it didn't. Uh, you know, it didn't stand out the way that the other mistake made. And the reason the other mistake stood out was just because he has not been making those mistakes. He's been taking really good care of the football. And so as long as he does that every game, um, we're always going to have a chance. And then if he continues to take care of the ball, then of course we possess the ball more. And I think that as he plays more, you'll see him just get better and better in the passing game. And I think uh, you know our offense will will grow as a unit, you know, and, and the, the the points and that kind of stuff is going to come just with time. And so, but it starts with taking good care of the ball, and that's what he's done best. Hey, Rob. Um, pretty much all my questions have been asked, but what would you say um, Jaron has done these first three weeks to prove to fans that he was worthy of that QB one spot? Um. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I can't answer what the fans think, but uh, I just think that. Uh, I mean, he, he's just been uh, like a f- good at taking care of the ball, and he's been really gutsy as far as uh, you know. He's made some big plays in key moments in all three games, and he finds a way to assert himself when we need it most. And but he doesn't force it. He's been good about just picking his spots when it's time to go make a play. And then, you know, the rest of the time, he's, he's trying to let the offense work for him and get the play, ball to his playmakers. And what would be the biggest growth that you've seen in him since um, he last played in 2018? Obviously, he took a, a year off, but we're going up against US, USF, like what's just the biggest difference in comparison to the 2019 game? Yeah, you can just tell that he's he's in he's in command now. You know, when he played those couple games a couple years ago, um, things were happening pretty fast for him. He still played well, but um, he didn't have nearly the command over the full scheme that he has now. You know, he's he made a whole bunch of audibles in the Utah game. He made some really nice audibles last game where he's he's changing the play, getting us into the right play. Uh, doing things with pass protections that are pretty advanced and um, doing, doing a great job with that stuff. And a number of our good run plays in the last two games were just him getting us to the run play that gave us, gave us the best chance for success. Um, so, you know, some of those things are things he wasn't ready to do a couple of years ago and now he is. And so they don't really show up in his stats or maybe uh, the fans might not notice that the, you know, whatever 10 yard run that Tyler Algier just got was because Jaron got us into the right play. And the play that I called was, was not as good into the, into the defense that they gave us. And so some of those things are kind of go unseen, but he's doing a great job.
Okay, we'll do last two questions from Jared and then Jake. Aaron, I wanted to talk about points because the bottom line is you've scored more points than your opponents, but I know the goal of the offense is to score points every time you have the football. How do you, how do you get that ramped up so you know, the scoring is more regular? Um, just got to play better. And, you know, part of it's the defenses we've played against are good. Um, we didn't play anybody last year that was even close to the last two teams we played on defense. I mean, not even – no one was even in the same world as those two defenses. So it's tough. It's tough to score when you're playing Arizona State and Utah. And, uh, you know, so in the first game, there was a lot of unknowns as well. But – you know, we've been talking about that a lot. We can we can talk about how good the defenses are and make excuses, or we can just, you know, uh, be accountable to ourselves and each other and figure out how we can play better and play a little cleaner. And I think I think uh, we've improved in every game, and I think you'll you'll see continued improvement. And and uh, the points will come with improved execution. And you know, I'm not panicked about it at all. I think we're I think we're right on track. And uh, considering who we've played, I'm, I'm proud of where we stand right now. Aaron, I wanted to ask you about your running back room. Obviously, we've seen Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa take the vast majority of the reps, if not all of them so far this year. Is there any concern for you that you need to have a third running back ready to go in case one of them, heaven forbid, does get injured? Yeah, we have we have a third running back ready to go. Jackson McChesney, he's a good player. Um, he's a, he's ready to roll. Um, Hinkley Rapati is also a good player. He's he's right there as well. And uh, just the situation hasn't called for it yet, but it's a long season, and there's a good chance we'll need one of those guys to be ready at some point, and and they will be. They're they're doing a great job in practice. Um, we've seen Jackson play in games before, and he's done well when he's gotten his opportunity and. Um, no hesitation at all to play either one of those guys. There's Aaron Roderick talking about USF and the Bulls Saturday night, 8-15. When we come back, B.J. Reigns covers the Boise State Broncos. They're in Logan to play Utah State Saturday morning, 10 a.m. on Channel 2, and we will talk with B.J. Reigns next. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes open up Pac-12 play as they welcome in Washington State for an early start. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 1030 with the postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by BJ Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end of the season sale on the irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial properties owned listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Good morning, BJ Reigns. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. What's going on? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming on again. Always a pleasure. 
So uh, I guess I'm just curious. I see the record one and two. That's not good, but a one point game with Oklahoma State at home. The opener with UCF had the courage to go play on the road against a quality opponent. Lots of teams run from that because they're afraid they might lose. So are the Broncos really that good? Should I just ignore the record? What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's kind of their rallying cry this week as they get ready for conference play. Uh, hey, we're you know six points away from uh, being three and L, so that's what they're trying to remember. And you know they should have won the UCF game. That was a, a pretty bad game, and, and they kind of were up twenty one points and gave it away in the third quarter. And, and really, the you know Oklahoma State game. If you talk to fans and everybody else, I mean there was an incorrect whistle blown. Uh, Boise State had a scoop and score, and they blew the whistle while Boise State was returning for some reason. Uh, said he was down, but after reviewing the play. It was clearly a fumble, so they at least gave Boise State the ball, um, but uh, didn't give them the touchdown they had. And then that was with like three minutes left in the game. And then Boise State missed the field goal. It got tipped, and they lost by one. So um, there is real, you know, if you're a diehard Boise State fan or whatever, you can easily make an argument they should be 3-0. and But with that said, they still have some significant problems, and um, they're really struggling to run the ball. They can't stop the run. Um, they have not been good at all in the second half uh, of games. And so... Yeah, they could be 3-0, and but they 1-2, and based on the problems they have, is probably about where they should be at this point. So I look at them offensively. Bachmeyer's been around for a while. We know what he can do. Shakur's a big-time receiver, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, very, very good. But uh, statistically, disappointed in their rush game. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, they're one of the worst rushing teams in the country right now. And a combination of things. I mean, George Shalani, their 1,000-yard back, uh, didn't play in the first game against Central Florida. They've had some offensive line injuries and having to shuffle some guys around, but um, for whatever reason, they've just been not been able to run the ball. Um, they, you know, I've got, um, I think Utah State has like four guys with more rushing yards than Boise State's leading rusher, and so um, yeah, it's been really bad. They just can't run the ball. They only have 20 yards rushing against Central Florida. They only have like 61 rushing yards uh, against Oklahoma State, and again, you're talking about a an Oregon transfer that they brought in that has, you know, 21 career touchdowns at Oregon in three years. And you're talking about a guy in George Halani that rushed for 1,000 yards uh, as a true freshman two years ago. So they feel like they have the talent. It's just not coming together for them. And so um, there's, you know, they, they, they say they have um, identified some things to try to get it going. Um, but for whatever reason, it just has not worked. They've they run the new, you know, RPO stuff. So they say some of the plays would have been runs, but they end up being passes. And they've got, you know, excuses for it all. But, um, it just hasn't it hasn't worked to this point, and it's really been uh, the the problem with the offense is when they need to run and get you know first downs and just kind of sustain some drives and keep the clock going. Especially in the second half, that Central Florida game, they just could not run the ball and kept having to get it back to Central Florida, and that's why they ended up losing the game. Two yards of carry is a staggeringly bad number, and I know quarterback one twenty seven out of one thirty. So. How much of it are you putting on the backs? How much of this is the O-line? Are there just no holes there? And is Utah State likely to dominate the line of scrimmage? Well, uh, it's a combination. Um, I, I, I think George Helani's a good running back. He had 1,000 yards, as I said, just two years ago. And they've been working him back. And he had only had five carries in his first game back two weeks ago. He had 12 carries last week. So I think he's going to be back to, to full strength uh, 100% with no kind of uh, limitations this game. And if they give George Helani 15-plus carries – you know, you know, over his career, that's meant he's going to run for 100 yards. So um, we'll, you know, see. We'll see what that 
looks like. Um, they've had some injuries on the offensive line. They're still playing with their backup center. Their starting center has been out uh, all season with an injury. They had their uh, All-Mountain West preseason first-team right guard. Jake Stetz went down in the Central Florida game, which they said was a big problem. And then he missed the uh, UTEP game. He came back last week, so they've had to shuffle some guys around. But the five they expected to have you know, this year, they still don't have. And so um, they, they claim that's you know, hopefully another week of practice with this group of five working together. Um, they think it'll be better. I mean, they, you know, they've got you know, two, their left tackle was pre, you know, two of the five preseason all mountain West linemen were, were Boise state. So you'd think the line would be good. So I think that they feel like it's just, you know, they say it's really close to clicking and it just hasn't. And the offensive coordinator was pretty adamant that we're going to run the football and it's going to click and it's going to happen soon. Um, and so we'll see if he's right this week, but you know, we're 25% through, the season and they are really struggling to run the ball even in the UTEP game the only time they rushed the ball was in the fourth quarter with uh, two walk-ons when the game was you know 54 to 13 or whatever so you look at their actual two games and they're you know basically the worst team in the country running the football Avalos being the first year coach now he's a former Boise guy so he's familiar with everything there how much has changed if anything in terms of philosophy from Harson to Avalos well, I mean, he's a defensive guy. He's the first, you know, head coach with a defensive background at Boise State in 20 plus years. I mean, they had a string there with uh, Harson and then Peterson and Hawkins and even Dirk Cutter. I mean, you have to go back to like uh, Houston Nutt, I think, in like 1997, uh, where you had a, a defensive head coach come in. So, um, you know, it, it, uh, even before that. So, I mean, it's it, uh, it's you know that's been a little different, and that's why it's been so surprising that you know you guys are talking about running the football, but it's been just as bad, if not worse, uh, stopping the run. Uh, as well, they've been uh, horrible, giving up over 200 yards per game on the ground, uh, stopping the run, and they've had two of their worst uh, opponent rushing performances from non-triple option teams. To, you know, two of the last four worst in the last like 11 years have been this season, and so um, that's been more of the surprise. The defensive guy comes in and hasn't been able to, um, you know, defensively uh, stop the run, and so which traditionally they were really good at when he was the defensive coordinator here. But overall, not much has changed. I mean, he retained a couple coaches, brought in some new guys, and. Um, I think it was a nice breath of fresh air. Everybody in Boise, everybody outside the program, inside the program, everybody was you know very happy. And uh, you know, Brian Harson did some good things, did a lot of things, but um, you know I think his message was uh, maybe starting to wear off a little bit. And I think a lot of people were excited about a fresh start with Andy Avalos. And he's come in and done a really good job. And um, you know, but sure enough, they're on Twitter after the last game. Uh, you already had fans calling for him <laughs> to be fired after three games. So I mean, that's just. That's just the way it goes when you lose a game. Um, but uh, I think he's a good coach, and I think he's going to do a fine job. It's just, uh, you know, this is what some people think maybe is the hardest schedule in Boise State history uh, from start to finish. And so there's there's not a lot of guaranteed wins on the schedule this year. And, and uh, he took, you know, a little bit of a rough time to have it be the hardest schedule for his first year. So what's the player's confidence level? I mean, do they – they because Boise State is just – I mean, they walk out on the field like they're going to blow teams off the field, and then they often blow teams off the field. So when you don't do that and you got a new coaching staff and the voice is different, do you see, do you see a little wavering or no? No, not really. I mean, I think, like I said, they, they, they've been saying for two weeks or whatever, they know they blew the Central Florida game or um, they, they know they should have won that game, and that was a road game against a, a pretty good opponent, and they, they feel like they were the better team in that game. So they had confidence that they were just as good as them, if not better, and gave the game away. And I think the same goes for Oklahoma State coming in. They, they feel like they uh, you know, didn't score a point in the second half and, um, again, had a scoop and score that wasn't called, had a um, you know, chance for a 36-yard field goal to win the game, and it didn't happen. So I think they feel like they're you know, 
again, every bit as good as these teams. They just haven't, the ball hasn't bounced their way, and they've made a couple key mistakes and key times to lose the game. So, you know, their record is what it is, one and two, but they feel like that they very easily could be three and oh. And so I think they're trying to rally around that, have that confidence. And, and again, and, you know, really at Boise State, their goal is winning the Mountain West. I mean, it's, and I know they've had the New Year's six bowl games and all that, but on the, you know, in the team room, their goal right up there on the wall, it says to win the Mountain West Conference in a bowl game. Um, so, they kind of reset when, when they get into conference play, and they've won 19 straight games against Mountain Division teams. They haven't lost to a team in the Mountain Division since 2016. And so they just take care of their teams in their division, and they know that's going to get them into the championship, and that's kind of how they go about it. And so I think that um, this you know, conference play comes at a nice, nice you know, point here where they can kind of reset, put those first three games behind them, and start their new season of conference play. And, um, you know, I think all of us have dreams of getting to that Jimmy Kimmel Bowl in L.A., and, and that's uh, still alive for them at this point. So you speak of the inability to stop the rush, which is somewhat surprising because they go into the defense uh, the end of the year returning, like, what, eight or nine starters, a couple of uh, all-conference the linebackers. Uh, I would have thought maybe the pass defense would not necessarily be a weakness, but if I'm comparing it to stopping the run, I would have thought that that would have been a little weaker. You know, they lost pretty two pretty good corners last year in Williams and Walker. Uh, so I don't really understand what the problem is as far as stopping the run. Well, that's Boise State's trying has the same the same uh, feeling as you do trying to figure that out. I mean, you're right because they had two new starting corners this year. Um, they lost two All Mountain West corners from last year, and so if you had to pick one area, you would have probably picked the the pass defense and the secondary to be a little bit uh, more of a, a question mark. Um, they came in with a a lot of um, you know a lot of uh, you know strength and hype on the defensive line, and they've had some injuries. You know, they have a starting D tackle, uh, Scaly Gahan, that, that took a leave of absence for personal reasons. Don't know if he's coming back or when or what happened there. They've got another, you know, rotation D lineman uh, tackle that's going to be out this game. So um, they're dealing with some injuries and things like that. But um, it's just a group that's underachieved. And, you know, Frank Miley, the former uh, Utah State coach, and uh, is, you know, the defensive line coach. And, and he took a lot of that blame this week on him and said, it starts with me. These guys just, I haven't had them ready to play. And, and so he, uh, you know, put a lot of that on his shoulders this week that the D line just has to play better. And so I agree with you that it's, uh, you know, surprising and surprising to Boise State fans. And, um, but they've been talking about it so much this week that um, I guess, you know, that they know because obviously Utah State can run the ball. It's going to be another challenge for them. But um, they've been just, you know, ingraining it in their head this week. Every interview, every comment is about that. So I, I would be kind of surprised if they don't come out and make some improvements uh, on the rush defense and running the ball offensively this week. So what's been the reaction from uh, Boise State as far as all the news about the Mountain West and the AAC and CSU and Air Force, to a lesser degree, Boise State and San Diego State being linked to that, but apparently not not willing to go, waiting for the Big 12 to call? How is that all playing out there? Yeah, I think they're waiting for the Big 12 to call, and I think that they are expecting the Big 12 to call or hoping the Big 12 to call. They feel good about it, I think, in the next couple of years. I mean, I, I don't think it makes any sense for them to go down to a, a watered-down American Athletic Conference right now that doesn't have UCF or Cincinnati or Houston. I mean, that, that's a completely different conference without those teams. And so really doesn't you really don't gain a whole lot with all the added travel 
that you would have to have, and not just for football, but for your you know women's volleyball team to have to go play East Carolina in a conference game and stuff like that. And, and so um, I think you take some of that travel concern if you're in the Big 12 because you're, the money is so much better that you're able to charter more flights and do things like that. But to, to put that burden on a you know for the a conference that really right now you could argue isn't even that much better at all if it is better at all than the Mountain West. I think this doesn't make any sense. And so um, I, uh, I think they're, you know, they're probably listening at least to hear, hear the offer and, and hear, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, be able to sweet talk the Mountain West into, you know, something, I don't know what, what they're, you know, they have the Boise State has the leverage right now. Boise State is kind of the, uh, you know, the, the team that's kind of holding the cards for what's going to happen with the AAC and the Mountain West really. And so, um, but I, I don't think it makes much sense. I'd be shocked if they went to the American, uh, unless the Americans somehow took a large number of Mountain West teams with them. I just don't see that happening. I think Boise State's going to wait it out. Um, you know, they were pretty disappointed they weren't included in the first round of the Big 12 expansion. You know, they mentioned football success being one of the main things. And, you know, other than BYU, you really could put Boise State's football, uh, you know, especially the last two decades, success up with any of those schools. And so, um, I think that they feel like um, if there is another round, which they're confident there will be once Texas and Oklahoma leave, that they would be a strong fit. I think when, I, when I heard that BYU was going in for all sports and not just football, I immediately said Boise State will end up in the Big 12, You know, just my personal opinion, because I think it makes too much sense. We talk about travel partners and things like that. It's, it'd be a lot easier for the West Virginia you know, soccer team to come play BYU and Boise State on a road trip than have to come all that way just to play one game. So I think Having a team close to BYU, or a regional rival, um, I think that just makes a lot of sense. And so when Texas and Oklahoma decide to leave, uh, Boise State and their fans and everybody are just you know, quietly sitting and waiting and hoping that they, they get a shot to, to get in the Big 12 at some point because they've proven themselves. Every conference they've been I mean, they've only been an FBS team since 1996. I mean, this is not some program that's been uh, doing this stuff for 50 years. I mean, they're fairly young Division Division One FBS conference, but every time they move up, whether it be – uh, from the WAC to the Mountain West to, you know, whatever. I mean, they, they, they've proven that they can win at that level. And if you get Boise State the resources and the money and the recruiting budgets and things like that as a Big 12 team, I think they're pretty confident they'd be able to compete in that conference as well. So Utah State has really piled up the points, particularly last week, obviously, against the Air Force. They've got some big play capabilities with their wideouts and quarterbacks can move and all that stuff. Uh, Boise, with their inability to run the ball, and as I already talked about, they got a stud receiver. I think he'll play in the NFL. Uh, so the thought for you is if it gets into a slugfest, a scoring type of thing up and down, you think Boise right now has enough offense if they need to to put like 45-50 on the, on the scoreboard? Oh, I mean, I, I, I think so. We just haven't really seen it. I mean, we saw it in um... – you know, the Central Florida game, the first half, they were moving the ball up the field and had a couple of really nice touchdown drives, and they were looking, you know, 24 to 7. And they're like, man, this offense is, is, uh, is going to be great because we just heard so much about it. And then it just kind of went away in the second half. It came back, and we saw it. And we, we've seen it in spurts. They just haven't been able to put it together for four quarters. And that's been another big emphasis. You know, their third quarters have been awful this year. And I know it's, uh, you know, Utah State's been really, really good in the second half, too. Um, which is, you know, a concern for them because Boise State, I think, has got like 85 points in the first half and only 22 in the second half of three games. And I looked at Utah State's numbers, and they're almost the opposite. I think Utah State has 85 points in the second half. So um, it's certainly going to be something that they're focused on is finishing four quarters and finishing the game because both the games they've lost have been right there. And if they'd had one more touchdown drive, 
um, they could have done it. They had three three and outs in the third quarter against Central Florida, two three and outs, uh, you know, and they only ran six plays because uh, Oklahoma State took the, the clock and they went two three and outs in the third quarter against Oklahoma State. So that third quarter and um, putting some, some offensive drives together and scoring some points I think will be a, a big thing for them. But uh, defensively, they're just really, you know, they're giving a lot of praise to, to Utah State. They talk about how wide their splits are and how they've got receivers that are almost on the sidelines and how that uh, makes things tougher. There's a lot of one-on-one tackles and stuff. So um, you know, they've got the, the leading receiver in the nation, as you guys know, uh, yards-wise, and then a good running back. I mean, they, they've been uh, giving Utah State a lot of praise this week. And so um, I, I think it's an interesting time for Boise State to be going down to Logan, a 10 a.m. game, obviously. And if Boise State had won the Oklahoma State game, maybe they're feeling good about themselves. Maybe it's a little more of a trap game. I don't know. Um, but they seem pretty pretty fired up to start conference play and put this game behind them. And I wonder if Utah State's maybe catching them at a bad time. B.J. Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune, joining us. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. Take care. There is B.J. Reigns talking about Boise State and Utah State. When we come back, Riley Jensen on the Cougars, trying to get to 4-0, and and then high school hot takes as well. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. <laughs> The Aggies square off against Boise State for a big Mountain West Conference battle at Maverick Stadium. Hear all the play-by-play action on the Zone Sports Network, beginning with a pregame show Saturday morning at 9. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join Hans and Scotty at University Federal Credit Union at the Ranches Branch on Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 3535 Ranches Parkway in Eagle Mountain. <laughs> Riley Jensen doubling down this week. He's in studio. Just spent a segment on the Aggies and the Utes and quarterbacks and BYU 3 and 0. Sweet. How surprised are you? I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. It's fun to see BYU play well. It's fun to see them. I mean, look <clears throat> There's a lot of those guys that I have connections to for whatever reason. I mean, you you look at James Empey, you see him playing out there. Tyler Beatty is a fun player to watch. Jaron Hall, I mean, look, for a guy that's replacing the number two pick in the draft, he couldn't be more mature. He couldn't be more solid. He couldn't be he's, – he's everything you want for their system right now. Look, <clears throat> Jaron Hall would be – the perfect quarterback at in the University of Utah system right now because the the problem with Brewer was is he couldn't make the plays with his feet to get out and throw on the run. <clears throat> Jaron Hall is doing a great job of staying in the pocket when he's supposed to and then running when he's supposed to and then throwing on the run when he's supposed to. He has a really, really good sense for when to do what. In fact, with Tyler Huntley up at the University of Utah, like I felt sometimes he was forcing the issue too much. So, like, when everyone is saying, oh, he's a great running quarterback, he was trying to show everybody they could throw. And then when he was doing pretty well run, uh, throwing the ball, then he was trying to show everybody they could run. Instead of just letting it happen naturally. And I feel like Jaron has a pretty natural sense for, like, when to run, when not to run. And I, I, you have to give a lot of credit to Aaron Roderick for that. And I've been very vocal about how good Aaron Roderick has been because I feel like quarterbacks are developing under him. Sure. And I think in the past at BYU – not. I, 
I mean the near past. There's been times where quarterbacks haven't developed like I would like. Jaron Hall, when he was in high school, if I were to be critical of him in high school, is that he would turn every play into a backyard football game, and he would run around because he was the best athlete on the field, and then it was it was backyard football, and he'd throw the ball to a guy for a touchdown, and you go, and I'd be like, yeah, but. Can he can he go three steps and throw a slant on third down and three and get you a first down? That was my criticism, and he's doing it. So what I like about it is, not only does he have a pretty natural sense for it, but I know that him and that he and Aaron have worked on that because it's much better than it was when I saw him play in high school. How much of BYU's success right now is a product of that very thing you're speaking of, the program? Along with which is a combination of coaches and players growing up, basically. Oh, I, I maturing. The, the 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 biggest thing that I would say about Kalani in the last two years that you start to that you're able to see that maybe you couldn't see in the first part of his career at BYU is the development of players. Right, players that are going in there that were really good high school players, but are continuing to get. Tyler Beatty is out of pace in high school, middle of nowhere. There's uh, he's he's your deal where if you're good, you're good, right? And he was like, I mean, I remember watching him the first time going, who the freak is this guy from Payson? Like, he's dominating these drills, right? But he's not only done that, he's now gone to BYU, gone on a mission, come back and developed, right? And so you're seeing it at defensive line, you're seeing it at the quarterback position, you're seeing it at offensive line, you're seeing these guys mature and grow into these really, really good football players. And it's really fun for me, on a personal level, to watch a guy like Isaiah Kafusi like really grow in the program, or you watch, you know, some of these guys, they're just really fun to watch. I mean, Dax Milne, I mean, I remember seeing Dax Milne when he was like in seventh grade, like trying to compete with people, wearing these like flash goggles, catching tennis balls, like doing all this weird stuff and I'm like dude the guy's like 5 foot nothing <laughs> like how is this and but he's pretty good he's got a lot of chutzpah in him but then to go and see him develop at BYU and now he's on the Washington football team like it's fun to watch them develop I I I will always from from this point forward I will always be an Aaron Rodgers fan because look uh, and I think John Beck does a great job, by the way, down in California. So this is not a cut on John Beck. So please don't take this the wrong way at all. No, everybody has to choose. One guy gets credit, no, 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 all the credit. No, no, the no, other no. guy gets none. Well, Pick. what what people don't understand because I coach I coach quarterbacks individually. I have like over forty quarterbacks right now that I work with individually in the state of Utah. There's only so much you can do in an individual training session that you can't do in a team session. And you have to give a lot of credit to Aaron Roderick because he's put he's now put Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall in really, really good situations in practice that help them to learn and develop and know how to read a defense. You can't do that as an individual coach. The other thing that's really important about Aaron Roderick to me is that he has enough confidence to let these guys have their own swagger, to let to let Zach Wilson throw the ball sidearm or try to hurdle someone. A lot of guys, and including myself as an offensive coordinator, like you get a little bit side. Ah, you're breaking the rules. You're breaking the rules. Don't break the rules. There's rules to playing quarterback, and you can get caught up in the ego of that, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to really admire Aaron Roderick for just. He 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 has enough confidence in himself. Like no, let him play. Let him play a little within these rules, right? Like he has a broader set of rules than I ever did with quarterbacks, and I think it lets him play a little bit more free. I mean, 
Jaron Hall hasn't been perfect, but man, he's been pretty solid. He's been pretty solid, especially for a guy that's replacing a second round draft pick. Because there's a lot of expectations in that yeah, position yeah, yeah. now. No question. Going forward, do you think this program can take off as it transitions into the Big Twelve? I think it can if they continue to play as physical as they're playing in the trenches. Like that offensive and defensive line right now is really, really physical. They out Utahed Utah no in the rivalry game. That yeah. was that was where they won that game. Now, I thought the same thing about the University of Utah when they were transitioning to the Pac twelve, and I think Kalani when they was the defensive coordinator when they first transitioned, if I remember right, but I, I may not. But I was like, man, is as a defensive coordinator, are you really going to go like seven in the box and play man to man in the Pac-12? Like how the freak? And they've done it because, like you guys have said, and I've heard you say it on the radio before, they're indoors that they weren't normally in, and they're getting guys that they didn't used to get, and so the level goes up a little bit. BYU is going to have to do that if they want to play the same time. And there's going to be a couple of growing pains in the Big 12, but I think they can play this style of defense and this style of offense in the Big 12 and win, especially if they keep recruiting the meat and potatoes that they've been doing with the offensive and the defensive line and continuing to develop them. I, look, I'm very complimentary of BYU right now. It's fun when BYU's playing well. I wish Utah had a little bit better start than what they've had because I think with Utah State at 3-0, and BYU at 3-0, and and maybe Utah at 2-1 and with a loss to BYU, like this would be really fun. I mean, it's really fun anyway to me, but it'd be really fun to be talking about football in the state of Utah right now. So you look at BYU's schedule, and currently there are no ranked teams on it. Maybe USC will be ranked at the end of the year. Maybe somebody else will be. Between now and USC... Oh, you said UCLA was ranked. You told me I'm last talking week. BYU's schedule. Oh. BYU doesn't play UCLA. So That's where, right, they play SC. Right. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Right. So I'm just curious where you think BYU could be in trouble. Do you think they're going to sail through this? Rose Bowl. So there's the USC game. There's well, there's one other game when I was looking through the schedule the other day that I read off the rest of the games to me just real well, quick. Baylor and Virginia. And oh, Boise. it's Baylor. Boise. It's Baylor because hey, is Boise, it at Utah Baylor State or home? Too. It's at Baylor, isn't it? South Florida this week. Then they go to the Aggies, home to the Broncos. Then it's at Baylor, at Wazoo. Home to Virginia, and then it's Idaho State, Georgia Southern, Southern. USC. So. so I remember looking through the schedule, thinking that they had two losses, but I didn't know which two they would be. So, so Baylor, Virginia, Utah State, USC. Those are all like, those depending Boise? on how and Boise, Utah State? right? Come like, yeah. well. The only reason I'm throwing Utah State in there is because at Utah State, mm-hmm. and I think Utah State's playing a high level, and I think Utah State can score points. So if it gets into a shootout, does BYU have the firepower to? They shoot haven't out? scored 30 points in a game right. yet. So although they haven't needed to, right? And as people who, and as people, I mean, not just us, our listeners, as people who laughed at win by nine, not by two, because that cost BYU a Stanford game once upon a time. You can't really, you know, BYU didn't need 30. But against the Aggies, they might. They haven't, right. and, I, but and, they might. and we'll just have to see what happens. Like I, I'm really excited about that matchup, just as an Aggie fan and a former Utah State quarterback. But I, when I look through their schedule, I could see two losses in there, and and maybe just because of a letdown. Like they're, they're you, you know, what I mean, look, it's hard to go undefeated, oh, sure. and it's yeah. hard to win Division One games. But they could also run the table, and everybody's singing Hallelujah, and you know, all wow. that kind of stuff. Well, so like, they run the table, man. Hello, Kalani Sataki. Here's the, no, listen, here's the good news. Here's the really good news about if you're a BYU football fan right now. You're going to go into every single one of these games with a healthy expectation that you could win. That's a good place to be because when you're with a team where you're like, yeah, mm. we're not, yeah, we're probably good. Like if you're Riley Jensen cheering for Utah State against Wazoo and you're like, yeah, we're, we're 
we're not going to win this game. <laughs> like, like going into it. And then you get in the game, you're like, holy crap, it's 6-5. But for some reason, this offense feels kind of exciting to me. And the defense is flying around. They're playing. And then they're scoring. And then, and then they win. And you're just elated. But I had no expectation that Utah State was going to beat Wazoo on the road. Like, none. None. And and no, and no, I if they would have come out of that game and lost, I would have been like, hey, nice job, Coach Anderson, dude. Like, these guys are playing a different level of football right now. Like, that looked like a healthy football team, like a, a, an encouraging football team. So if you're BYU, and now you beat Arizona State, you beat Utah, and we'll see how good those teams really are as we go down the season. But you've got a chance to win every these game, every one of these games, and a healthy chance to win, not just like a like a ooh, I hope we win. Like, but like you could you A could, plus, we got play you, A plus, and they got play C. You yeah. can beat USC, you can beat Baylor, you can beat Virginia, you can beat Utah State, you can beat Boise State, and those are the five games that I'm thinking maybe they lose two of those. Well, Baylor. Robbie Bosco and Jaron Hall, the only two quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good news, Jaron. You get to look forward to a life of golf. Yeah. Get your lifetime cushy gig. Yeah, right. Hey, man, it's got a ring. It's played pretty good in 84. Yeah, no question about that. I remember that. watching. I was 10. I don't. And I watched every game. I was older. I watched every game. Did you really? Yeah. Every single game. That was a different era. We, listen, we couldn't, when you, we couldn't. We lived out of state. You couldn't when, see every game when in that you era. Were, when, when you were living in the state of Utah between like 1980 and 1992, like BYU quarterbacks, I mean, I remember standing in the southeast corner of the end zone at Utah State University growing up in Logan, and I couldn't believe I was watching Steve Young play. I couldn't believe that I could – like they were, down, they were backed up in the south end zone, and he was calling the play, and I was like – Oh my gosh, that's Steve Young. I mean, dude, I wore number eight in college at Utah State because of Steve Young, right? Like, the, there was nothing like quarterback you in the '80s. If you're growing, I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. Let's call it what it was. I know Utah State fans are gonna get mad at me right now, but come on, man, you know, like, and there was arguments in my family, like, hey, who's the greatest BYU quarterback ever? It still happens in my family, and in my family, it's not even a question. It's Jim McMahon. They're like, you don't even know, right? And I, and I don't because when he played, you're talking about like five, five to eight years old. Like, I don't really you were, get. You couldn't really analyze quarterbacks no, in the first. But they're like, they're like. Riley, they're like Riley. He was fast. He had a cannon. He had swagger. And where did he go to high school? Roy High School. Oh, so you don't. Really oh, they were a little bit better than the Roy High School today. Don't give me that crap, dude. You're so full of crap. Your eyes are brown right now. Don't try and play. And that I am a charger. <laughs> Your wife is a charger. <laughs> well, if they win, I'm a charger too. Listen, you can't bandwagon like that just because your wife works at the school. <laughs> bandwagon, yeah, dude. You didn't. Watch no, him. no. You, you, you used to bad. call him Coral Canyon for me. You used to do it for me. You called him Coral Canyon. <laughs> not, you called him Coral Canyon. You don't bring up the bandwagon. Tank. Bring up the tank, when, Jake. But that was before family. Oh, yeah. Oh. Once family got involved, so you're involved. not really a fan no, until family not, got involved. Not, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so you're on family. the bandwagon. No, it's not you bandwagon. You jumped on the if, wagon. If I was a BYU fan... 
just like uh, the Coveys. You think the Coveys aren't rooting for Utah when they play BYU? As soon as he's yes. done, as soon as he's and, oh, done, they're all putting their BYU done, gear back I'll on. go back to Brighton or Jordan or wherever. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't decided yet. Listen, <laughs> but listen. right now, when you're drawing a paycheck, so we're watching Corner play the other night. I, I said, know. And she said, coached this guy. <laughs> she taught this guy. And so, he's a fine young man, and I we t- really t- like him. I told oh, him. my gosh. Corner Canyon kids are the greatest kids in the history I, of the state of Utah. Utah. You've been here for one hour, and this pisses you off. <laughs> it does kind of it's piss me truth, off. Man, you follow family. <laughs> I love the lady. What can I tell you? So I, tell I mean, her, it's revisionist history. It's not. It's oh, it There's it's, plenty of that. There's been a follow, big dose of that this I'm morning. I'm nothing but a covey. I follow my family. So I tell her, hey, tell care this or that. So she sees him on Monday. She says, oh, man, PK said to tell you something. I can't remember what it is. And he says, well, I mean, oh, it's PK. It's probably you can kiss my bleep. Listen, <laughs> listen, I can tell you this. If my wife was teaching or working at the rival school, I'm not a fan of that school because they're at the rival. The rival now, my school. Kid, my kid, if he goes, I'm like, where do we buy the hat? And where? But if my wife works there, I oh, don't know. Well, that's yeah. because I'm just know. a better husband than you. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get in the way of this That's shtick. probably true for other reasons. Don't. But not for that reason. Don't get in the way of the shtick. All right. Just let it roll. Dude, that was fun. You guys were all like tired and like not smiling. Look at you guys. You're smiling. You need a little more Riley in your life. <laughs> That's what you need. Stop by anytime, Riley. All right, You're always welcome. Thanks for having me. There's Riley Jensen. He was actually in studio with us for two segments yesterday. If you want to hear the whole thing, go to 1280thezone.com. He had a lot to say in the first segment about the Aggies and the Utes. All right. Right now, we're going to take a break. When we come back... What is trending? All the headlines are coming up next.